Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 17 of the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. I'm Kurt Schilling. He's Bill Graff. Good afternoon, Bill. Hello, Kurt. Lots going on. Lots going on. Lots to talk about. We're going to dive right in uh, and we're going to start in Oakland. Uh, apparently, the A's ownership just signed off on a binding agreement to buy land just off the strip in Vegas to build a 35,000 seat Major League Baseball stadium. Uh, after 20 years, the A's have given up on negotiating with Oakland. Should have happened 19 years ago, actually. Uh, uh, the anointed one, Rob Manfred, has given his approval. Uh, let me just say right now, this is the exact reason why Major League Baseball needs to lose its antitrust. Um, there's so many different things wrong with this um, that, uh, you know, this is a, and to be sure, this is a, a multi-billion dollar uh cash cow for major league baseball uh they will the owners in major league baseball will reap enormous financial benefits not just from the increase in uh uh awareness of of the product because major league baseball in vegas is going to be a whole lot more popular than it ever was in oakland um but they're not done and i would tell you uh this is i think it's a great thing for baseball uh, and I think I'm sitting in a chair near the city that will be up in the discussion next, which is Nashville, Tennessee, uh, where the Tampa Bay Rays need to move yesterday, uh, if not the day before, uh, or possibly the Marlins, even though they have a new stadium. Neither of those towns or cities is going to support baseball. Uh, they, they just aren't. Tampa, most especially. Uh, but we're going to get to that later. Um, the topic, the focus of this show is going to be uh, this thing, this is a rosin bag. This is actually, it's like, and Bill, by the way, this is like from the Fenway mound, like 15 years ago. Uh, I, I actually keep this in my golf bag because I use rosin. Um, but we had an incident this week. Uh, Max Scherzer got tossed for, uh, sticky fingers. And I, I'm just going to, I'm going to, let me explain how the process works. So, Obviously, you cannot put a substance on your hands in any capacity other than rosin or pine tar if you're hitting and whatever. Um, but there is a the rule, and I'm going to have Bill read this rule in just a second so you understand. Listen to the main words of the of the rule that he reads. And, and at the end of this, I want you to tell me or think to yourself, is there a definitive process by which I can determine if this person is breaking this rule? So, Bill, give me the text of the rule as it relates to rosin. Okay, here it is. The rule on sticky substances states that player use of rosin always must be consistent with the requirements and expectations of the official baseball rules. Stop when right you, there. Stop yep. right there. Yep. Consistent with the requirement of official baseball rules. Probably not a more ambiguous sentence anywhere ever, but that's the first one. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. It, Leaves it wide open. When used excessively or otherwise misapplied. There you go. Number two. What is excessive and what is misapplied? All but all four, uh, uh, all of those adjectives and, and verbs are uh, ambiguous and intentional. So go ahead. Sorry. For example, to gloves or other parts of the uniform, rosin may be determined by the umpires to be a prohibited foreign substance the use of which may subject a player to ejection and discipline. Moreover, players may not intentionally combine rosin with other substances, for example, sunscreen, to create additional tackiness. 
Okay. Ambiguity everywhere. Everywhere. And, and and here's here's the thing. Here's why. So I'm going to back up and tell you about a little process that happens for every game. So before every home game for a home team, the clubhouse, there's a, a specific person in the clubhouse, one of the clubhouse guys, who uh, rubs uh, or, or takes the balls to the umpires. The umpires rub the game balls up. That's, you know, the, and there I don't remember if it's how many dozen it is. But we have this thing called Mississippi mud. And it's I think it's actually from North Carolina. So I don't know what that means. But uh, that's why when you see a baseball on the field, it's not this white. They'll rub it up to, to uh, well, to create a surface so you can grip it. Because um, this is impossible to throw in a game uh, because you can't get any sort of grip in any capacity other than it seems. But that even that is tenuous. And it's dangerous. Because if I throw a ball like this, it's got as much of a chance of sailing into your face as it does to being at the bottom end of the strike zone. Anyway, the balls are rubbed up, and and I'll even back up a little more for all you deflate gate phony New England haters. Uh, balls were rubbed up differently, uh, and balls were different sizes in baseball. But I spoke to my clubhouse guy, uh, and I the balls that I got rubbed up when they rubbed them, when the clubhouse guys rubbed them up, I had them rubbed up a certain way just because of how I wanted the ball to feel in my hand. Um, and it, sometimes if it was a night game and we were playing someplace or we were home and it was a night game, I'd try and get them a little bit darker. Um, but anyway, so you have a rubbed up baseball that I pick up when I get out on the mound the first time. Now, one thing you'll notice is, is every pitcher will do this or this or this, and that's to get moisture for this. Okay. This is rosin. And, the rosin bag, if you, you can probably see this, it, it, it's coming out. There's a little dust, right? It's like a little fine powder. Uh, of itself, it's not sticky. Like I have rosin in my hand. It's not sticky. However, the second I do this, when I'm sweating, I make the rosin sticky. That's when I go back to the ball and rub the ball up to give me a little more adhesion between my hand and the ball. Now, here's the thing. If you think about this, if I put a fine powder on my hand and then I make that powder wet that makes it sticky any dirt that I come in contact with is going to stick to my hand all right so what you're going to see over the course of a couple innings will be my hand will start to darken because it will be it'll look it might look like a substance but it's not it's just sticky rosin that has dirt in it now I was a guy so here's the thing I threw a split finger fastball right I did not want the ball to stick to my fingers ever. So I didn't want rosin in between my fingers. So I would wash my the insides of my fingers between innings with alcohol if it got too sticky. However, there are other guys, guys that throw sinkers, um, uh, certain breaking balls, uh, who will want the ball to be extra, extra sticky, and they'll just let their hand muddy up. Now, they're, you know, the umpires can certainly say, hey, listen, you got to wash it off. That's fine. But they have to acknowledge that, that just washing it off isn't going to change the fact that it's sticky because you go back to the rosin, you have more moisture, it gets stickier. Your hand's going to look dark no matter what, right? And if you touch your hat all the time, you'll see that Major League Baseball players' hats a lot of times will uh, will get dark under the brim or dark at the cap. Also, guys like Gaylor Perry that used to cheat, they would use uh, Vaseline on the inside of their caps. They would use Vaseline on the inside of their bottom lower lip because it stayed there. And you see guys that used to do this a lot. They would That was what they were doing, and then they'd lick their hands. Um, anyway... So your hand's going to be, so Max's hand was clearly uh, uh, in a non-agreeable state to the umpires. He went back, I'm sure he watched it, but he came back and you could see the way he was arguing. He didn't do, in his mind, he didn't do it. He followed their orders. He did what they said to do. Uh, and this ambiguous, ambiguous rule needs to be fixed and changed. 
uh, rosin. I don't know how you do that, uh, but the umpires are put in a really bad situation now, once again, because they're not given a set uh, set rules of engagement. And anytime you give somebody the rule to the ability to engage without rules defined, you have massive, massive problems. So, well, and, again, and Kurt, yeah. the same umpire, Phil Cuzzy, zero pitchers last year were called on this to the year before both in Phil Cuzzy games, and he was the one who bounced him, and he's the one who bounced Scherzer. Well, and there's a pattern. So we had an umpire back when I played called Bob Davidson. His name was Bakken Bob Davidson, because um, I don't know if you're, anybody is old enough to remember this, but there was an, uh, a big push to, to enforce the Bach rule, and Bob Davidson was famous for, he was Bakken Bob. He would call box when there weren't box. He was a guy who loved, to be in the game and by in the game i mean noticed and recognized and he was uh had a couple run-ins with him he had a couple runs with the teams i was on but you develop a reputation and i think phil cuzzy probably recognized or should recognize hey if i'm the only guy doing this uh you know my dad used to tell me that if if, the, if you have multiple problems in life and the only common denominator in those problems is you there's a pretty good chance you're the problem uh and i think that's the case here but anyway, hopefully that makes it a little bit clearer to understand on uh, Rosam. And and hitters will use pine tar. Um, you know, there used to be a game uh played within the game, which was for guys like that that could make the ball manipulate. So if you think about you heard people talk about sandpaper and scuffing the ball. So basically what happens when you scuff a ball, if I scuff a ball on this side, it moves in the opposite direction. Right? If I scuff a ball on this side, it moves in that direction. If a ball scuffed on this side, it moves in that direction. You see a ball hit the dirt, umpires will throw it out, catchers, but you'll also see when balls hit the dirt, some catchers will throw it back immediately, hoping nobody changes the ball because they know their pitcher likes to use a scuff ball or, and can work with one. So they might be able to throw a pitch in a game in three or four instances they might not otherwise be able to throw because the ball scuffed and no one's the wiser. I, guys used to be magicians at that. So anyway, there's your... Uh, Stupid suspension story for Rosin. Hey, Bill, I want to play a little game with you. All right, I'm going to give you some stats, and I want you to uh, see if you can you can you you might know the answer, but if you just kind of play dumb with me, okay. Um, I'm pitcher one and pitcher two. Okay, pitcher one uh, had a career win loss record of 165 and 87 with a 2.76 ERA. Pitcher two has a career record of 288 with an ERA of 2.48. Pitcher one, 2,324 innings pitched, 1,754 hits, and 2,396 strikeouts. Pitcher two, 2,606 innings pitched, 1,974 hits, 2,833 Ks. Now, the last two stats. Pitcher one, a 1.106 whip, which is outstanding. Pitcher two, a 1.00 whip. Pitcher one, a 2.93 strikeouts to walks ratio. Pitcher two, 4.48. Any idea? I I think you know who the second guy is. Any idea who the first guy is? I'm you. You told me to play dumb, so I'm going to. But if I were to guess, it's one of the people talking on this podcast. It is not. Pitcher one is Sandy Koufax. Oh, my. Yes. Pitcher two is Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw, in every capacity, far exceeds the accomplishments of one of the greatest left-handers who ever lived. Anybody would his career was cut short with with 
injuries in every measurable statistic. Clayton, all right, again, he uh, Koufax had 87 losses in 314 games and in 252 decisions. Kershaw, with 100, uh, 80, 88 more starts, has one more loss. And an ERA of 276 to 2. It's just ridiculous. Then you have Kershaw. And I'm doing all this. Kershaw won his 200th career game. Just, just appreciate this, uh, this for what it is. Uh, he has three Cy Youngs. He's finished in the top six, uh, top five, six times, top 10, nine times. Three firsts, two seconds, a third, fifth, eighth, and ninth. He's won 20 twice. He's punched, uh, led the league in punch outs three times. Uh, ERA plus four times. ERA five times. Um, you know, the Cy Young Awards, uh, I'm ambiguous on because the writers are deciding and sometimes they get it horribly wrong. Um, and guys win that don't deserve it. Clayton deserved, probably deserved more than the three he won. Um, his 694 win percentage, okay? And you know I say this every time we talk about in the game of baseball of 140 some years, uh, anytime you do something that's never been done before, it's extraordinary. Anytime you're better than everybody that's been come before you, Clayton Kershaw's 694 win percentage is the highest in Major League Baseball history for a pitcher with 200 plus wins. I don't know. Well, here's I think the reason why I think his luster has gone off, even though he's still pitching well. He hasn't thrown a shutout since 2016, which that actually kind of blew me away. Um, he has 25 uh, career shutout or 25 career complete games, I think it is. Um, but I don't. Uh, uh, this guy is is doing something. He punched. He went seven, gave up three hits, didn't walk anybody, punched out nine for his 200th career win against the Mets. Uh, you're watching a first ballot Hall of Famer on and off the field, by the way. Uh, speaking of pitching. Oh, before you go to that one, I've got yep. a good trivia question for you. He is the third Dodger to get all 200 of his wins with the same team. Who were the other two Dodgers? Oh, wow. They, they, all, all their career wins were... We're, we're with the Dodgers with one or, or all of them won 200 with the Dodgers? All won 200 with the Dodgers. This is a tough one. I, I did not get it. I just read it. So Don Sutton? Correct. And another Don. Drysdale? Yep. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was pretty wild. And it is because that that's an organization. When you talk about the Yankees, you talk about pitching hitting, but mainly you're talking about some of the greatest offensive players that ever lived. When you talk about the Dodgers and the Dodger history, I think it's focused all around some of the greatest pitching we've ever seen. Um, totally agree. Speaking of pitching, Chris Sale uh, made Red Sox fans exhale in relief, punched out 11 on in six innings, three hits, got a no decision, lo lowered his ERA to eight. Uh, but finally look like, and, and I think he'll round round come around. I think everything will be fine. I think he'll end up with the numbers he's supposed to end up with at the end of the year, as long as he can stay healthy. Um, and I, I, I saw this list and I, I kind of went in depth on it a little bit, but you have to look at, and, and with, with few exceptions, pitchers are creatures of consistency. And by that, I mean, uh, they play month to month. I won, I think uh, four or five pitcher of the month awards uh, all were in April or May. Never won one in June, July, August, or September. Um, but I just consistently, and I, as I got later in my career, I tried to figure out why and adjust accordingly. But these guys uh, are all going to be in the voting for pitch of the month. Luis Castillo of Seattle, he's 2-0 uh, with a 0 
I want you to listen to this, though. 24 innings pitched, 11 hits, 26 to 4 strikeout to walk ratio, leads Major League Baseball with a 0.608 walks and hits innings pitched. Uh, Marcus Stroman of the Cubs, 2 and 1 with a 0.75. 24 innings pitched, 12 hits, 25 uh, to 10 strikeout to walk ratio, 0.9 whip. Sonny Gray, 2 and 0. Uh, 22 and he's the worst of the bunch here. 22 innings pitch, 17 hits, 26 punch outs, nine walks. Uh, Shohei Otani, uh, two and zero with a 0.86, 27 innings or 21 innings pitch, 27 punch outs. Listen to this next stat, please. In 21 innings pitch, Otani has given up six hits. I'm going to say it again. In 21 innings pitch, Shohei Otani has given up six hits. But he's walked 13, which is why his whip is 0.9. He is averaging 2.6 hits per nine. <laughs> That's like Dennis Eckersley, Mariano Rivera stretch runs. Oh, by the way, he's slashing 281, 370, 500 with four home runs, 11 RBIs, and an 870 OPS. Just as a <laughs> icing on the cake. I mean, he's going to get $17 billion a year in a new contract at some point. Uh, Garrett Cole is, and Yankee fans have to be not jumping off the ledge. Leads the league, major leagues in wins. He's 4-0 with a 0.95. 28 innings pitched, 13 hits, 32 punch outs, 8 walks for a 0.7. So what is that? 48, uh, 70, uh, 91, and that's uh, 119 innings, 13, 19, 36, 48. 119 innings, 59 hits given up by that group. Now, the next point I was going to talk about, I got to I got to jump to it and then come back. I was assuming that the shift, based on what I saw opening day in the first couple, was having a major impact, major impact on offensive numbers, allowing them to go up. I don't think so. Uh, I would love to tell you that's the case and that I was right, but these numbers tell me that, uh, and and these are the you know these are the best of the best right now. But I would tell you that they're those are crazy numbers. Uh, the hits innings pitched for that group is astonishing to me. I mean, again, Otani, six hits and 21 innings pitched. That that, that That's a closer. Um, but uh, And all five of those guys, Kurt, have started four games already. Right, right. I mean, that's, that's a substantial amount. Right, it is. It is. That's uh, 20 starts right there. Um, you know, you, so in Major League Baseball, the the you average five starts a month. There's a month every now and then, and you'll sneak in six, um, in a five man rotation. And and it used to be Johnny Padres told me you try and win three a month, which is eighteen on the year, and sneak in two along the way to win twenty. Um, and so you, I always kept that pace in my head as I was going through the season. You know, when I would be way ahead. Uh, or way behind, I would recognize that I needed to step it up. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have, I, I, I don't think the rules are going, or the stats are going to back me up on the shift. I think that the the game is 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 enjoying success uh, by with some of these rule changes for pitchers at least. Um, but, and, but oh, by the just way, anecdotally, the shift absolutely has opened things up. Oh, sure. I think the shift has lengthened some careers and made some players more valuable than they might otherwise be. I don't know that it's changed the overall offensive dynamics. And we're going to, as the season goes along, we'll look into that. But let me just mention one other thing. Uh, the opponent's batting average against Shohei Otani is 0 
that's that's a real number. Uh, two notes I want to get to the quick hit. I want to do two of these quick hits, Bill. I think uh, both of the first ones you made up point were were fantastic. Uh, the Blue Jays. If you go look, and I, this one I grew up, we had the newspaper, so every day I looked in the sports section at the batting race. Uh, if you go and look at the batting race, which is still, and I was thinking about this, Bill, I think it's time to start thinking about changing what we show the fans or what we give the fans. I don't think the batting race is, is as crucial as we once thought it was. Now it's the on-base percentage race, uh, the OPS race. Those numbers are far more telling from an offensive output. However, uh, if you look at the American League batting race, you would think you're actually looking at a Blue Jays uh, in-game program because they are three of the top four. Matt Chapman hitting 397, Bichette's hitting 354 at third, uh, and Guerrero's 338 at However, <clears throat> I think this speaks to the scare and the, the terror for Toronto fans. Their run differentials minus 12. You gotta, you gotta suck ass pretty bad on the mound to be at a minus 12 with those offensive numbers. Um, and so their pitching, which I thought they were very aggressive in trying to make some pitching changes and fixes. We'll see how that plays out, but they're minus 12 there. They were, uh, as of the time that we're recording this, they were five games in back of Tampa, which is my next note. Um, Tampa Bay cannot survive in Tampa Bay. I don't care what anybody says. I love Tampa Bay. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. Uh, it is not a baseball town. Um, and why do I say that? Well, I'm going to go to another team that's, sucks right now and is struggling the reds the reds played the jays in cincinnati at great american ballpark on monday Seven thousand three hundred and seventy-five people showed up the lowest attended game ever at the ballpark to see them play tampa and my point is no one wants to watch tampa in tampa and no one wants to see tampa when they travel and that's not the player's fault that's not the organization's fault it's it's just it's the animal you have um in Tampa right now. And that needs to move. Um, and by the way, that included the COVID season. For, which, for which only allowed 30% capacity in stadiums. Right. right. Um, Tampa needs to move. The Reds suck and, and, and their ownership should be flogged uh, and quartered for, for that because they're ruining like Pittsburgh. The ownership has ruined a tremendous uh, franchise with a deep history an amazing history and a good uh, and a baseball Cincinnati. town. Well, and and I think the owner, and this is this is this is the aristocratic elite at their finest. Askley said, "Where else are you going to go?" And so I think this is Reds fans going here. We'll go here. Here's where we'll go. And uh, he's ruined baseball. They've ruined baseball in that town, and and that's tragic. Uh, there there should be some sort of. Uh, I don't know if you're going to make ambiguous uh, rosin rules. Let's get ambiguous ownership rules where. As Major League Baseball can determine uh, if Peter Angelos is sucks, which he did, uh, you you can get take his franchise because he sucked and they ruined that franchise and which is now bouncing back finally after all the damage. Um, but both those franchises uh, are the Reds have been ruined, the A's have been ruined, um, and the Rays need to move. The Rays deserve better. The players deserve better. So. Uh, I, I want to make a, a a quick personal note. Uh, some a young man I know who uh, has battled his butt off. Daniel Bard was activated off of the DL, which he went on the deal with anxiety, uh, which I think is a really cheap ass way to say this. I think it's, it's far more serious than just anxiety. Um, and then A's reliever Trevor May goes on the deal. Uh, most of you these days don't even know the name, but there was a gentleman named Jimmy Pearsaw who was, there's a movie made about him. Um, 
he actually ran the bases backwards on a home run uh who was i think certifiable i think the anxiety thing was a part of it but but i gotta ask you bill we're starting to see this more i'm wondering is this a generational thing is this a social change in our in in our in the way people are fundamentally raised here or i think it's a societal change yes okay. i think people understand better in the 2020s that this affects people and yeah. it's more than just nerves they they're they're crazy they just no it's not affected. there's nothing about create there's nothing Correct. crazy about this but it's a label i think in the 60s would have been correct or 70s or and 80s would have been in, in in well in the 80s you had jim eisenreich right in 90s I, I play with jimmy and it was a real thing and i i believe just like there were guys in professional sports who refused to fly. You can't play professional sports if you don't fly. But they would end a career for fear of flying. So I, um, I, I'm just wondering if, if it's more a societal thing on both ends, on young men being raised in a very different way today than they may have been otherwise, that, that, that suffer from severe anxiety that might not have 30 years ago or, or it's unchanged and we're just recognizing it more with the same thing with autism. Um, but yeah, I'm happy for Daniel. I want to see it work out and him come back and do well. I hate to see anybody of any, in any capacity suffer from uh, an anxiety that doesn't allow them to do the thing that they love to do. So. Well, he had the one start in the minors and after he struck out three and afterwards said, I've got it back together and I'm ready to go. And I hope Good. that's the case. Good. I hope, and having been uh, on rehab assignments, I hope that was him personally speaking instead of professionally, because you don't want to be in the minor leagues, you know? <laughs> you know? And so, you know, you'll see injured guys that love the game. will say, I'm ready to go a week or two before they're ready to go. I hope he's ready to go. And it works out. And, and uh, you know, obviously thinking about Trevor May and hoping that that all works out as well. So uh, before we get uh, out that's of it here, for Kurt, this episode, Billy. This, no, 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 no. I, I We've got to get to this and we've got the time. Okay. And White by the way, for Louis remind me, hold on. You got to remind me next show, the wives room story. I've had people hit me up on Twitter. They're pissed. I haven't told it. I'll tell it next door, next episode. You got it. You got it. But before we go. White Sox pitcher Louis Giolito left Tuesday's game versus the Phillies after six innings with a no-hitter. He had thrown 102 pitches, but they shut him down. The no-hitter was broken up by the relievers. I can't imagine. I think I know what you're going to say, but any chance you get off the hill with a no-hitter after six? So whoever is back at the control center with the the, the curse button, be ready. There's no f chance. None that I come out of the game. And to the point where if you told me I was coming out, I would still go out to the mound and force you to have all three of us standing on the mound at some point. No chance. And and when I played, that probably wouldn't have happened. Uh, it's a different game now. There, there are uh, – and, and guys being okay with it, I think, is an enormous red flag to how these guys are being raised in the minor leagues. Yes, you respect your manager and your coach, but at some point you're in the right to to uh, to help coach yourself if you're responsible and your coach trusts you and stuff like that. And no, none, absolutely none. 
And I don't even know what the score of the game was. You know what the score of the game was? Uh, they were up 3 nothing, I think. Okay, so it's still a game. It's a game. No, no, no chance, none. I, I would laugh. I would, you know what? First of all, the manager wouldn't come down and talk to me during a game anyway like that. But if a manager came up to me and said, hey, that's enough, I'd be like, okay. I would think it was a complete joke and look for the camera. Am I being punked? None. None. But the mentality of Major League Baseball is so drastic. And that, that's not to say, man, we're menly men. It's just a different mentality now. And um, the acceptable would have been the un totally unacceptable when I was in, uh, when I had a chance to play in many cases. So no, no chance. But good for you, Louis. You threw six hitless innings. Yeah, <laughs> yeehaw. So well, anyway. I will uh, remind you about the story Check next week. Out. Every Tuesday and Friday on outkick.com. Uh, I'm Kurt Schilling. He's Bill Graff. We will see you guys in a couple days.